I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. The Social Dilemma Everything I'm about to tell you may be the product of fake news. Or it may be the greatest secret kept from mankind. Social Dilemma is a documentary on Netflix that's getting a lot of attention, a lot of buzz. I had the opportunity to watch it last evening and I have to say it checks a lot of boxes on things we've talked about here on the Seeker Podcast. Dennis Nappy the second here. Hello, friends. Happy to be back on the air. That's twice in one week. Hopefully this is a pattern that we have going again, and uh, we're going to start going strong again, providing content for all of you out there. I want to talk about the social dilemma and how it ties into a lot of the threads we've been tracking on the podcast. I'd say over the past couple of years, it's been an interesting topic for me. It's been a hot topic, one of my passions in looking at this means of social control. I have a couple sources I want to talk to, some old threads that I've explored that I think are all coming together. But again, I want us to be open-minded to the possibility that as although we can connect dots, it's possible that it's all made up on one level or another. And at the end of the day, I do think that what we're experiencing is a gross manipulation. Even if what we're experiencing is truth on one level of reality, on another level of reality, I highly suspect that we are being manipulated beyond our perceptions. I'm going to dive deep into that in a minute. But before we take our deep dive into the Matrix, because that is what we're going to be looking at this evening, is the Matrix I want to share an article that I came across from Unknown Country just a few days ago. This article is everywhere. I I just like uh, Unknown Country's content, so I'm going to read their version of it. It's titled, Astronomers Have Detected Potential Signs of Life in the Clouds of Venus. This came out September 19th, 2020. This is exciting news. Does this mean they have detected life? No, that's not what they're saying. They've detected the signs of life, which is something different. But it's hopeful. Let me read some of this article here. For the last few decades, NASA has been leaving few stones on the surface of Mars unturned, quite literally in some cases, in the search for extraterrestrial life within our own solar system. But now an international team of researchers has found what may be a biosignature in the atmosphere of the one planet even closer to us amongst the dense clouds that envelop Venus. Using Hawaii's James Clerk Maxwell Telescope and Chile's ALMA Telescope, researchers with the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Cardiff University, University of Manchester, and others found the signature of phosphine emanating from the Venus's clouds. Considered to be a potential biosignature by scientists searching for extraterrestrial life, phosphine is a simple organic compound consisting of three hydrogen atoms branching off a single phosphorus atom. The chemical can be produced through non-biological means, 
but the process requires a tremendous amount of energy and pressure to force the hydrogen atoms onto the phosphorus. For instance, phosphine has been found in the atmospheres of Jupiter and Saturn, as these planets have massive planet-sized storms that can provide the conditions needed to form the compound. But smaller terrestrial planets can't produce enough heat and pressure to form phosphine. Even the punishing conditions found on Venus are insignificant to account for this process. I will have this story linked so you can read the rest of it at unknowncountry.com. It'll be linked through sixcentsmedia.net where you can find the secret podcast. So what's exciting about this is in, you know, in the alternative and independent circuits, there have been accounts of life being on Venus. I know that the remote viewing circle as well, there have been some well-known viewers that have targeted Venus and have reported back that Venus at one point in time was, uh, I think it was Farsight that put out there, was almost like a vacation spot for extraterrestrial life. Is there still a base on Venus? Is there still life on Venus? What at this point, we don't know. But the fact that they're detecting this information, again, I think adds to the narrative that we're seeing a gradual release of the possibility of life as we're building up slowly to the announcement that there is life on other planets, not just out there in the universe, but right here in our galaxy, in our solar system, and eventually on our planet, as we're seeing with the recent disclosure events talking about UFOs out there encountering Navy pilots. It's coming, my friends, and it's coming in a major way. And with what I want to talk about this evening, I think we can make the argument, at least, if the information that we have is credible and true, that they're already here and they are influencing us already. Now, I spent a lot of time writing Food for the Archons. One of my goals with that project was not to convince you that there's an unseen invisible parasite that is preying on your energy and feeding off of you. If you walk away with that, great. But I wanted you, at a minimum, to just walk away and realize, based on the evidence that I presented in this book, how easy it is to influence and manipulate human thought and human behavior. Yes, I'm talking about mind control. It exists as a part of nature. And I gave countless examples in the book. And it exists through scientific and technological means. And I also wonder, depending on how deep down the rabbit hole we can go, and that takes several hours to have that conversation, if at some point we realize that technology is a product of biology, or biology maybe is the ultimate product of technology, and we may find one day that they're one in the same. I know that's a heavy statement to make. I go back to the book that I've quoted in the past called Ventus. I can't remember the author right now, but he created a world through his writing where they had flora, they had fauna, and they had mecha. And the mecha was the microscopic mechanical organisms that created mechanical beings that also existed within the bodies of other certain people, kind of like the metachlorians from Star Wars, that the more metachlorians you have in your body, the greater connection you have to the force. Now let's talk about the force for a minute. Let's talk about the electromagnetic field. Let's talk about what people call the Holy Spirit and religious doctrine. Let's talk about psychic and intuitive processes, things like remote viewing. How is this possible? Are we, as I say in my book, thriving on some kind of electromagnetic, quote-unquote, natural Wi-Fi system? When you start to study the Internet of Things and what these things are and going to become, and then you look at what we have with telepathic communication, you look at Cleve Baxter's primary perception, I'm giving a lot of buzzwords here, Maybe they're one in the same. Maybe this all exists. Where am I going with all of this? We're comparing technology to biology, right? I want to talk about this documentary that's on Netflix. Now, maybe one day that it's going to come out to me. Joke's on you. haha, Dennis, because I'm going to be full disclosure here. I have not verified the authenticity of this documentary which means I haven't looked at the names of the people who are in the documentary and I have not verified that they were in fact 
people on the ground levels for programs like Instagram, Facebook, Google, all these popular, massive, giant social media networks. I don't think, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think legally these people could claim and use the official names of things like Facebook, Instagram, and things of that nature and make a work of fiction in this capacity. However, I have not done my due diligence to verify that. So let me be clear about that first. With that being said, I still believe there are some incredibly valid points that were put out in this documentary. Maybe those valid points are another form of manipulation. Maybe those valid points are simply an echo chamber for people like me and you out there who have this mindset and this idea of what this reality is. Because that's ultimately what the program is talking about, is saying that social media is designed eventually to give you that feedback loop of things that you already believe in, to reinforce your own beliefs, even if your beliefs are false. All your news, all your information, all your search queries are going to come back with the slant that you want to hear to reinforce, yep, that's what I believe, that's correct. So it's possible that the things that I feel that I'm compiling right now are simply a feedback loop that I'm getting through my own search habits and metadata collected already through these search engines that are gearing my reality based on what I'm already putting out there and giving it. Does that make sense? I know I'm throwing a whole lot of information out there right now. With all of that being said, what this documentary talks about is the what they're claiming the unethical, massive manipulation of human behavior, of societies, and how they are dividing societies in a way that's never been seen before. You have this artificial intelligence that is giving us this feedback loop, but you have people, powers, dare I say entities, intelligences behind these mechanisms that are making money off of us, the consumer, our reactions, because they sell it to advertisers. We are engaging with advertisers. The advertisers are, are the ones bringing the money to these companies. What does that mean according to this documentary? And I agree, we are the product. Is that so different from the point I try to make in my book that we are cattle? We are a product. We are a commodity. Now, maybe we have some kind of connection to our future reality. And maybe this is the beginning of it that we're seeing. And this AI gets so far advanced it decodes the matrix on some level where it can start to influence the past or what is the present for us from its present time. To me, this does seem like the birth of Skynet. I know I'm saying some very heavy things right now, but I'm going to run with this. I think I've given enough disclaimers and enough caveats where I think I'm covered and I'm safe. So let me just run with this for a little bit and then you can tell me what you think about it or you can choose to ignore me or whatever. And I don't mean that as a sign of disrespect to you, the listener. Let's think about this for a minute. We've got this AI. And we've got people that are programming this AI to manipulate the masses. To manipulate us, you, and me. Those of us who feel that we are, quote, woke. Maybe simply the target of a marketing campaign, of a political campaign, of a advertising campaign to drive our thoughts and behaviors to a specific function, common movement, common thought. I mean, there's some crazy stuff out there. Now, I talk about some crazy things. I prescribe to some crazy things. I believe in some crazy things. I feel for me that some of those crazy things have been proven. 
i.e. remote viewing psychic capabilities and powers. I've verified those things independently outside of what I'm reading on Facebook. And I think that's the key. But we need to be mindful of human psychology. If I was to tell you that purple trucks were important, I guarantee the next week or so you'd see purple trucks everywhere because we've shifted our focus onto those things. Same thing is if you think the world is good, you're going to see good things happening all the time. If you think the world is bad, you're going to notice all the bad things happening. And you say, you see, there it is. I knew the world was bad. Look at all these bad things that have happened. So there's this complex dynamic that's going on with human human perception, the human psychology, and artificial intelligence, and programming, and mind control, and all of these crazy things. So this documentary is talking about all that stuff and how it's being used to manipulate us. Now, I have a chapter in my book talking about the Matrix and this reality, and I compiled a lot of evidence talking about that possibility as our current existence. I quoted an article in there, and with this, I'm going to summarize real quick what this article talked about was that by this point in time, now this book was published a year and a half ago, but during this election, this article, it was a, a top tech guy, I can't remember who it was now, I know I wrote the book, right, um, but I, I, his name's escaping me, was, was claiming that artificial intelligence will be so advanced by this upcoming election, which we're in that season now, it will be able to craft fake news stories by the millions geared towards our own personal likes, dislikes, loves, whatever interactions we're using on social media, our search queries, it's going to know our innermost trigger points, our desires, our fears. Which articles are we most likely guaranteed to not be able to avoid clicking on? Because that's how these things are written, that's how these things are designed, and then that's how we are targeted based on our behavior. So we have to keep in mind these stories that we're seeing are being shown to us and we're not even realizing how we're being targeted and manipulating, manipulated, and it's that feedback loop that we keep getting, reinforcing certain things. Now, for those of us that are interested in the best recipes we can possibly find, and that's what we spend the majority of our time searching for, that's okay. That's win-win for us, right? We're going to get the best recipes. For those of us that like watching nothing but prank videos, that's the feedback we're going to keep getting, silly prank videos. I went down that rabbit hole for one day, and then for the next month, Everything at the top of my feed was these prank videos. So it, it adapts that quick sometimes. But now that we're into politics, imagine when you have your extremities and the polarization that we see, and that's the feedback you keep getting. Now, I've been very careful with my search habits and with what I give my attention to, to be very neutral to be very unbiased, to not put my political beliefs in a format that I think the algorithms would pick up on. Actually, my political beliefs are pretty ambiguous anyway. And what I've noticed is that I'm getting ads for Biden and I'm getting ads for Trump. I'm getting the text messages from both sides. I'm getting the social media commercials from both sides. So I feel that they probably have me pegged as an independent or as an unknown or as one of those people on the fence right now. I'm not being targeted as if I have an interest in one party or the other. They're fighting for my vote. They don't know how I feel. They don't know where I stand. And I think that speaks volumes right now, which means I'm at least getting two sides of this story. I think both those sides are bullshit, in all honesty, but I'm at least getting two sides. I, I, I If I had another phone and another account, maybe I could create that experiment where one I just spend the time looking at one political party and then see what I get. Now, I know that there have been some experiments done by people within the past couple of years. I know one gentleman, a black man, he did an experiment where he posed as a white supremacist online and he noticed that everything started coming up in his news feeds that was geared towards that mindset because this algorithm is reactive to what we put out there. 
that can be horribly scary if we're not mindful of what we're using our technology for. That can also be empowering. It allows you to become a ghost. It allows you to become someone else. Please keep that in mind as we try to understand this AI. All right. You know what was what was scary about this documentary is one of the and he was I think he was one of the founders of Instagram or Facebook or not a founder but he was at the ground level. He was saying one of the things that scares him where this could lead. I'm going to make a scary statement here, but this is coming from the documentary. He said this could lead to potentially every country in the world being engaged in civil war. Now, let's just look at what's going on in the world. Now, we do have to ask the question, is all of this going on on the scale in which it's actually happening? Or is this being blown up and embellished by social media and propagandists and people with political and social agendas? That's possible, too. We need to be mindful of that. Because I know when I walk outside, I don't see any of that stuff going on. But as soon as I get on my phone... I see it everywhere. I see it from people that I'm friendly with, uh, both personally and both just in social media world. I see it just coming up on my feed. It seems to be everywhere. All of this, the protests, the riots, the violence. Is that our reality or is that the perception that's being driven home to create and manifest that reality? Remember, we still have a choice. That choice is trying to be made for us. It's trying to be perceived for us. But we still have a choice and we still have a power. Now, this AI, these algorithms are reactive to our activities, our input to it. I believe that's a metaphor to the universe we live in right now. This, what we call physical reality, is reactive to what we put out there on an energetic level. That's how we manifest, that's how we create, that's how we bring things into our into our existence, into our reality, if we understand how to communicate with it. I know I'm, I'm putting a lot of information out here right now, friends, but I'm just kind of going on a roll here. If we understand that this is reactive to us, I think that gives us power. We need to be mindful of what we're putting out there. Now, let's get a little bit weird here. Let's get deep here because as you know, I like looking at trying to connect some dots. Maybe I'm crazy. I feel that I've received intuitive downloads of information in this greater matrix that we're in right now. And I know many of you listening have received those downloads. The show I just released the other day, I talked about some of those downloads connected to ET activity when I was like talking about close encounters. So I feel driven on this thread. I feel that this intuitive pull that has brought me information or brought me to information also connected me with the crypto viewing team and some of the, the what I who I think are the greatest remote viewers out there and some really great people. And it was a feedback loop for me. In physical reality I spent five years writing this book talking about everybody's psychic and anybody can learn to be psychic doing this podcast talking about this putting that out as a data set in the universe literally that is all I focused on for five years besides my family and stuff but I put a lot of energy and I'd say psychic output out there thinking about this and what did that bring to me it brought me to a top level remote viewing team so again is that an example of a feedback loop in this reality that we're already in as we're witnessing the creation of another level deeper through computer and artificial computer technology and artificial intelligence i hope i'm being clear Sometimes I go kind of crazy and uh, make leaps and bounds without fully explaining myself. But I think that it's a representation of what's going on, what technology is trying to recreate, not just create. 
So where did this come from? I don't want to explore right now this natural Wi-Fi. I spent I spent a whole book doing that. I want to talk about this, what the social dilemma was talking about, what we're dealing with with social media, with artificial intelligence. Where did it come from? And I want to go back to Roswell. And I want to go back to a gentleman by the name of Colonel Philip J. Corso. Now, you may remember, as I was reading this book a few years back, I did several shows talking about the content of this book. I was very fortunate to have Colonel Corso's son, Phil Corso Jr., come on and have a conversation with me as well. And I highly encourage you to find that in our archives. It's a fascinating conversation. He's a wealth of knowledge. Before I get into the data point I want to talk about, and some of you probably know where I'm going, I've spoken to some of the remote viewers who have been blindly tasked to look at the Roswell crash. I've interviewed Daz about his experience looking at Roswell, looking at ET stuff on the moon. Looking at just remote viewing data. Understand that's just one piece of data. It doesn't mean it's 100% accurate or 100% correct. Several viewers have been blindly tasked to look at Roswell and the crash. And those viewers have come back claiming that there was an advanced technological craft that was brought down. That lends to the possibility that it was in fact a non-human vehicle that crashed in Roswell, New Mexico. I was blindly tasked, still a rookie, but I was blindly tasked to view that target. And I came back with very similar data. I didn't get that it was a, 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 a weather balloon. I got this advanced craft. Most of my data was consistent with the Roswell UFO story. Now, looking at Colonel Corso's testimony, in his book, he talks about how the crash went down, which brought down by radar. A few years later, he was assigned to, was it General Trudeau? It was under Eisenhower. General Trudeau, I think, was his name in the Pentagon. Corso was assigned to look a file cabinet that had some of the debris of the Roswell crash. And Corso's job was to take that debris and covertly get it to manufacturing companies, research and design companies, who were going to reverse engineer it and then redesign it and put it out as our own without disclosing that it was in fact ET technology. In the book, Colonel Corso claims things like fiber optics, Velcro, uh, I think he said Teflon or, or, or uh, what was it? A whole bunch of different things he claimed came from the technology in that craft. What caught my attention the most, and I've spoken about this multiple times and it's relevant now, so I'm bringing it up again. He talked about the, the silicon computer chips that were found. This book was written in 1997. These chips were discovered in 1947 when the Roswell ship crashed. And what Corso wondered was when he was looking at the ET bodies and the beings and the data about them, he, he suspected that these beings, these bodies, were somehow a part of the craft. That they were part technology, maybe some kind of android or a hybrid machine semi-life form that connected technologically to this ship to pilot it. And he had more details. And because the ship didn't have bathrooms, it didn't have food storage, it didn't have complex me uh, mechanic or, or uh, control mechanisms. And he believed that these beings were somehow part of the steering mechanism of that craft. He talked about these computer chips that were found. And he made, it was, I think it was like one or two sentences. He says, I wonder 
if these if this crash happened intentionally so these computer chips would be seated here on our planet as almost as if a Trojan horse that's all he said about it and that statement I've seen evidence of that time and time again now maybe I'm looking at my own feedback loops but those feedback loops I'm looking at are beyond Facebook and Instagram those feedback loops are through testimony through other books through technology development through observation through my own personal experience it's not just Facebook giving it to me and convincing me of this conspiracy theory and the reality is I don't hear anybody often talking about this level of it so I don't think what I'm talking about right now is the influence of social media I want to be clear about that so Corso warned or worried that these computer chips that were found may have been some kind of Trojan horse now let's take a step back and we look at the Archons and this higher intelligence and we look at the Gnostic writings and we look at what aeons are and I think that the Gnostics were referring to an advanced artificial intelligence is it possible that there's something out there that we would consider nefarious from our standpoint that is just a giant AI brain i.e. the Borg now if you look at David Icke's work in the Saturn Moon Matrix and the symbolism of the cube and how that cube comes up time and time again maybe they're onto something now David Icke also talks about the Archons as not being able to create they don't have that creative spark that humanity allegedly possesses that didn't make sense to me at first because the example he used was if you give them a blank sheet of paper they won't be able to do anything with it they can only manipulate if you're talking about an AI the AI may not be able to create anything we the humans have that creative spark but the AI can influence us to manifest and to create so you've got this let's say we have this and I'm, I'm speculating here and I could spend a lot more time going into how I got to this idea read the book I don't mean that in a cocky way I promise but in the interest of time let's say that there is this advanced AI that's out there and that's this nefarious force that's working against us right now that has infiltrated our reality and it wants our planet and it views us as a commodity and it, at the time that it finds us it says how do I how do I conquer these people why well, could show up but that's going to traumatize them that's going to put us in a state of perpetual war that may ultimately end up destroying the very crop that I want or I could have them build their own prison until one day they just give me control of their minds so let's say this Roswell crash happens intentionally driven by this artificial intelligence force that sends this craft here to these humans who are totally confused at the what's going on and we say hey we just got out of World War II we need to make sure our military is prepared we're going to take this advanced technology not only are we going to weaponize it but we're going to use it to strengthen our nation who wouldn't do that right they take these computer chips and they start exploring them they start understanding them they start to replicate them and it's gradual at first but eventually by the late 90s you have people who can have a computer in their home on the desk and then this thing called the internet comes out and now we're able to communicate and shortly after that cell phone technology takes off and cell phones get smaller and more powerful and now these cell phones are capable of 
sending text messages, not just voice, and then pictures, and then videos, and then video conferencing. So the technology is getting more and more advanced, and at the same time, the software in that technology is drawing us in more and more. We're becoming addicted to it. We have a need for it in our life. We're developing what we think is a symbiotic relationship, meaning, techno- well, I guess symbiotic. Technology needs us to create it and to charge it and to keep it you know, running, and we benefit. It's supposed to be symbiotic is mutually beneficial. Right now, it's just a phone. The phone doesn't care if I keep it or not, but we have this beneficial relationship with technology. And as Elon Musk said, we've become cyborgs. If we want to know something, we grab our phone that's in our pocket, we look it up on Google. That's an extension of our mind right now. He says, only, he says we're cyborgs, it's just not connected to our bodies. That's the first step. We have this addiction to it. And now you've got things as talked about in the social dilemma, where they design the colors, the sounds, the reactions, uh, you know, the, the, what they're choosing to put on your feeds to keep you sucked in, looking at it and scrolling through it. And yes, you have this the human greed mechanism of the advertisers who are pushing this more and more and more to get us more hooked in, to get us more addicted, more and more and more, keep me connected to this technology. So you've got this engine that has been started and now we can't live without it because everything is connected to it and we're feeding the machine we're teaching this machine that quite possibly came from an advanced artificial intelligent alien race i know that sounds crazy but we're feeding the beast everything about us our thoughts our desires our fears our strengths our weaknesses our military capabilities are connected to this everything and now we're taking it a step further. As Elon Musk says, he's afraid that one day artificial intelligence is going to suddenly evolve and want to take us out. So he says, if you can't beat them, join them. So he's now taking the next step, along with others, to include some people at Google, in creating a chip that is now an interface between your mind and this technology. So it's giving another window to this tech. And I have talked about the dangers of this for quite some time. We're opening our minds. We're literally putting this now in our minds. Are we not building the Borg here? And listen, I can go and make, I can spend an hour making arguments on how this is beneficial to humanity. I absolutely can. But at the same time, I believe there's something else going on here. And this movie, this this documentary, The Social Dilemma, I think does more than scratch the surface to it. I mean, the one guy, I think he was affiliated with Facebook, he said, how can you wake up from the matrix when you don't know you're in the matrix? That's a very scary thing. So we've got this AI technology that is now evolving, 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 and we're so addicted to it. And now you have people saying, you know what? Yes, I. this benefits me so much. This satisfies so many of my needs. I'm okay merging myself, my identity of self, with this technology. There's no need for a hostile takeover. If this, in fact, is something nefarious that started at Roswell and takes, looks like it's a hundred year plan to gradually advance our society to a point where not only are we connecting ourselves to this infrastructure that we've created on our planet, but as we're putting satellites in there and as we're exploring out further into space, what happens when we have everybody connected and then one day this AI is self-aware and it realizes what it is, what it's a part of, and it sends out the signal to the cube 
out there in space and says, we're ready. No takeover needed because we've given it away. Now that sounds crazy, but if you remember back a few years ago when I first connected with Edward Reardon and he did remote viewing QAnon, it's one of my most listened to shows, one of the things he talked about was this technology, this nanotechnology spreading out into everybody and one day a signal went out in the future and altered the consciousness of everybody. Is this what we're looking at right now? Now what I'm saying may sound crazy, but I'm really only one or two leaps away from what they talk about in this documentary. Mass mind control to divide and conquer. I'm just giving a different possibility of who the ultimate puppeteer may be. But that's what this looks like. And there's moments where I look at that and I go, I see it, yup, it all makes sense, I connect the dots. And then there's days where I go, no way! This is insane! I've watched one too many science fiction movies and I'm just, again, in that feedback loop and that's what it's telling me. But I've had too many experiences that are external from Facebook, from my computer, from social media. That doesn't mean I'm not being manipulated through this other Wi-Fi psychic internet that we're connected to. That's a possibility. But that still means someone or something is manipulating. I want this to be empowering, as scary as it sounds, because with knowledge comes power. You know, I feel like I watch from the sidelines right now what's going on. And I remember the last election talking about understanding your psychic processes and understanding where information is coming from and the signals that are coming to you. And as you start developing your intuition and learning where, what it feels like when you get an intuitive perception, you start to recognize what's coming from you and what's coming from somewhere else. And I use that as our greatest weapon and looking at the research from heart and math, again, solid research, talking about the Wi-Fi, the electromagnetic signal that comes out of the human heart that transmits emotional data. And people, everybody picks up on that and it will change people's moods, especially in a heated, hostile crowd. That electromagnetic signal goes out to everybody and everybody starts harmonizing as a frequency. That's basic science. It resonates on the same vibrational wavelength of that particular emotion because an emotion is a frequency state. That's why the crowd is dangerous. The mob mentality is dangerous. It's not a mentality. It's a frequency. It's an energy. A measurable frequency and energy. And when that goes out, if you're not aware of what's coming from me and what's coming from somewhere else, you may not understand and then you're sucked in. And next thing you know, you're doing things that you normally wouldn't do. Pay attention. I've been saying it for years. Do the work now. Develop your intuition. Let your intuition be your guide. This is the time we need it. We need to be able to stand on the sidelines. People are telling you, pick a side. I choose the outside because I'm watching everyone else destroy things I'm watching it I'm not getting sucked in it doesn't and I don't mean that as an ego statement I get very upset when I see it I get very sad when I see it and I feel that emotional pull and then I go uh, this is manipulation it doesn't mean that there aren't real issues it doesn't mean that there's not real trauma and crimes and atrocities happening Watch this documentary, and you'll see that some of these violent acts are being magnified by things like social media. 
So if we're mindful of these signals, if we're mindful of what we're putting out there, if we're mindful of what's coming in, we have the ability to some extent to deflect, to continue to think for ourselves. And sometimes that can be lonely. It's like that scene in the matrix. If you're not one of us, you're one of them. And that's possible. When you start spitting something else out that doesn't go against somebody else's feedback loop, they're happy to, they're used to hearing, you become a target. And they don't like it. So we need to be careful as well as we navigate this chaos. About ready to close this out, but I had a download. I had a thought pop into my head. I'm going to read the whole thing. Most of it's relevant. But one of the things that stood out to me last night watching this documentary is they gave this graphic of a, a person and it pull, it, they kept pulling out and showing rows of people and rows of people and rows of people. And it was, it was reminiscent of that scene in The Matrix when you see all the people in the pods that are connected to The Matrix. And they said something along the lines of, what if we're all mere nodes in a greater electronic brain that are insignificant, they serve a specific purpose, you know, to gather information or to have a certain feeling or to transfer thought or to transmit energy. Maybe we are a part of a greater brain. That's what they said in this documentary, that we are just a piece of a brain of, an elect of a, a computer system or a program, which I think is possible, especially when you look at the works of Professor uh, Theodore Gates at the University of Maryland, who says he's found error-correcting code embedded in string theory when you're studying the makeup and the fabric of the universe. Let me, let me share something I wrote. And it's raw. I haven't edited this. This is exactly how it came to me. This wasn't in a remote viewing session, but this was what I would consider a form of psychic or intuitive data. August 2nd, 2020. Thoughts are things, and we are organelles in a more complex system. There is no time, only now. Past and future are an illusion. If I am everything and everything is me, then I am exploring myself at the speed of thought to learn a lesson. Every wrongdoing is mine. Pleasure and pain, they're mine. I am them and they are me. I did it all in an instant. This is now. The micro represents the macro, for my world is a mere cell in a larger organism. With the sole purpose of processing one thought, uh, one thought of good and evil from this question has derived our world, but it does not exist. Not out there, but in here. Our universe is a mere thought in an instant, and we, I, have free reign to create complex challenges in order to learn my lesson, to send the signal to my greater, higher mind. I wrote that, and I have no way of proving it to anybody. I could have, obviously, but I wrote that on August 2nd. Today is September 24th, almost two months later. And I saw that documentary last night on September 23rd. And when they made that comment about us being nodes in a brain, that rang true for me. You can take it for what it's worth. If you, you can accept that I got that information ahead of time or not. What I'm saying is I think we're a cog in a much greater system. Now we have the choice. What are we going to do with that possibility, with that perception, with that understanding? We can choose to look at that and say, man, that's bleak. That just sucks. Or we can choose to look at that as, wow, that opens up so much possibility. What happens if I break free from my programming? Maybe I'm supposed to break free from my programming. What potential do I have? How can I use this knowledge to live my best life? How can I use the design of my, my understanding of the design of this system to make this system better? At the end of the day, this is where we are. We have a choice. The question is, what will you do with it?
amount of time, my friends. I'm thankful to be back on the air with this one. I think it's a good one. I think it's worth thinking about. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. Please reach out to me, comment. And I hate to say it. Let's support the algorithm. Like, share, comment. Please, other people, if you think they need to hear this, let them. And it helps the show. And as always, I appreciate your continued support. A great way to support the show is to purchase I Am Human Food for the Archons. You can find it at sixcentsmedia.net and on Amazon.com. And that's going to do it for this one, my friends. I will be back next week, hopefully. I'm working on lining up some guests as well. We'll have some more conversations as we go deep down the rabbit hole. So I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Be water, my friend. Be water, my friend. Water, my friend, my friend, my friend.